Welcome to the second episode of the WMEE and uh, Bowen Center of Sound, Body, and Mind. I'm John Davies, weekday mornings on 97.3 WMEE. And our special guest this afternoon, senior psychologist and clinical educator, Dr. Richard Rorald. How are you, sir? Great to be here. John. I, I'm appreciate, excited to have you here. The did I did I manage? Did I get it, did I get that one that correct? Was just, that was good. Perfect. Well. Far Perfect. Than most people. Uh, big congratulations to you from what you told me off the air. That's a, essentially a new title for you. So yeah, in the process of changing roles, uh, going to be slowing down a little bit. I've been in this business, you know, going on four decades, but uh, I really hope to have more opportunities to do uh, outreach work. Fantastic. Like this with um, in terms of outreach, uh, mental health for me is something I think it really kicked off uh, outside of just myself and a, a big conversation within my family once COVID happened. But I think we're all kind of coming to the realization that mental health and the awareness of it all is a much more prominent circumstance uh, as an educator within this subject. How much are we working in a youth level to be having these conversations? I'll, I'll speak. My mom's a teacher and um, uh, in Kentucky, and I was just revealed earlier this week that there's a lot of states that are now within a youth education system allowing like mental health days to be an excuse from school and legitimizing that. I mean, as to the educator of sorts, how do we look within mental health for the next generation? I, I think we're making some substantial progress um, as with each generation. I think the willingness to have conversations about mental health topics has been increasing. Uh, let's not be naive. I sure. still think it's a tough conversation. Absolutely. I still think it's a subject that a lot of people shy away from. But I think we're moving in the right direction. You know, COVID-19 puts so much stress and strain on just about everybody. Right. But if there's any silver linings that might emerge from such a difficult situation, maybe... It's us being a little more open and honest about the struggles we all share because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're all in the same boat. Life is difficult. Yeah. Uh, dealing with mental health and kind of, you know, uh, the difficult times at hand um, and the association of like emotions and mental health. You see your friends that are typically happy-go-lucky kind of people. I mean, how much of a tie-in is there amongst those two circumstances? You know, when I think about mental health, you know, it, it's something we use the words, but we're not always particularly clear about what it is. Sure. Um, it might be helpful to talk a little bit about what it isn't. Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, one of our founding documents in our country, the Declaration of Independence, includes that famous phrase, hmm. the pursuit of happiness. happiness. Yeah. So we tend to associate mental health with happiness. Well, then that brings up the question, so what's happiness? Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, it's feeling good, um, pleasant, comfortable feelings. But we've really got to be careful about measuring mental health in terms of how good I feel. Sure. Because, for instance, if I experienced a serious loss, the death of a loved one, for instance. Yeah. You wouldn't expect me to feel good. You'd expect me to be sad, tearful, going through a grief process. You know, there are times when we experience sadness, anger, fear, anxiety, a whole host of emotions. And in and of, in, in and of itself, that doesn't mean 
it's a mental health problem. Sure. So I guess one of the things I'd like to start with is the idea that we're supposed to be happy all the time is a myth. Yeah. Mental health probably has more to do with how well we function day to day. Okay. How well we're able to take care of our day to day responsibilities. Sure. Um, even way back in the early days of psychiatry, early uh, doctors talked about mental health as involving the ability to work, to play, and to love. Mm. I think that's really a pretty beautiful description of it. But interestingly, it didn't include feeling good all the time. Yeah. So how am I taking care of my key day-to-day responsibilities, depending on what those may be, given my age and abilities? Does that help a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I, I believe it's, a, I don't know how much of a sports guy you are, but... Oh, uh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah, it, was it Jimmy V? You, you need to cry uh-huh. every day, you need to laugh uh-huh. every day. It's something that it yeah, seems... In his, in his famous speech in his last days. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, right. as, a, as a parent, as um, kind of understanding the difference between, like, the general maintenance of mental health versus kind of the emotion i mean like i'm 32 and I'm like i got a pile of dishes in my kitchen that haven't been done for a minute but like i wouldn't necessarily say alone, i'm depressed yeah. right but um you know uh you, you talk about kind of the daily maintenance and kind of upkeep and that's a better uh definition of mental health um <laughs> like let's suppose let's suppose depression and anxiety are the two most widespread mental health struggles now, everybody gets the blues now and then. Right. Everybody gets down. Life circumstances can can kick us in the teeth, so to speak. Absolutely. Anxiety. Anxiety is a normal, universal response to any situation where there are two things going on. One, the situation's difficult. And two, we don't know how it's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Drop any person into a situation like that, and there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. Situation is difficult, not sure what's going to happen. We're going to feel some measure of anxiousness. Right. But when do we cross the boundary into something that uh, may require professional help or we may be paying closer attention to? Well, we need to look at the severity of what we call symptoms. Okay. So if we talk about depression, for instance, um, is the depressed mood... severe and persistent as opposed to mild and coming and going is it um, am I is it affecting my energy in substantial ways and my ability to work and play and take care of responsibilities have I noticed changes in my appetite yeah have I noticed changes in my weight have I noticed changes in my sleep habits um, have there been significant changes in my behavior that concern other people around me? Um, have I started consuming alcohol or using drugs or prescription medications in different ways? I mean, all of those could be indicators. Have people who care about me at home, at work, at school shown or expressed concern? Yeah. So I, that was kind of going to be a follow-up. Yeah. If you're seeing these types of things in other people, do you have... Um, recommendations on the handling of that process? The first thing is to express caring and support. I think there's there's a three-word phrase that can help open the door to further conversation. 
listen, listen, and then but you know what words coming next? Oh, well, I missed it. I wasn't listen. I wasn't listening. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Listen, listen and then listen. Um, use an open-ended question, you know. Looks like you've been struggling. How are you doing? And then take the time to hear it. There's a wonderful story, sad in some ways, from uh, a gentleman who is one of the world's leading advocates for suicide prevention. Mm. He made a serious suicide attempt when he was 20 by uh, actually leaping off the Golden Gate Bridge. But he tells the story of being on a bus, going to the bridge, planning on ending his life. Mm -hmm. And he says in, in a very, very heartfelt speech, he, he actually spoke in Fort Wayne a, a couple of years ago. His name's um, Kevin Hines. Um, Kevin said he was in the back of the bus, and if one person had come up to him and said, how you doing? If one person had asked, he said he probably wouldn't have taken that potentially lethal step. He's one of the very few people who survived that 200 plus yard plunge into San Francisco Bay. And, wow. and he's turned it into a, a, a life-saving mission. Sure, sure, but there's a that, TED Talk out there, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, but I, think it, it, but I think it illustrates that in a very dramatic way that Sometimes it just takes one person mm -hmm. expressing interest. How you doing? Um, anything I can do for you? Um, could I? Uh, we have a program through work or through school or or through a, you know. Um, here, here's a hotline number. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways, but really just start the conversation with expressing concern and listening and being there for people. I think if we just charge in and, you know, get very directive, I'm worried about you, um, sometimes that can put people on the defensive. Now, there's a time for that. There's a time when we need to take charge and be more direct. And those may be situations where someone's life or well-being are more, at more serious risk. Mm -hmm. But in most situations, being there, being a good supportive listener, opening the door to a conversation... And sometimes we have to be persistent. Sometimes the first uh, effort to reach out may not be as fruitful as we'd like. Sure. But uh, be patient and persistent. That's what I'd suggest. Uh, suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline, by the way, 800-273-8255. Uh, from what I understand, that's all changing in July. To uh, You can essentially get that as quick as you yeah. would, dialing 911. But instead of dialing 911, you're going to be dialing 988. And that updates in yeah. July. That's uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 24-7, yeah. support at the other end. Yeah, that's great. I'm very grateful. I'm People across the country are grateful that 988 will soon become available. It's incredible. It makes it, makes it easier than remembering a long 800 number. Sometimes you don't have the time <laughs> right. to be able to pull right. these things up. But I also think that um, uh, by making this change and making it such an available thing to have everyone in the back of their mind just have that so mm -hmm. quick at hand, uh, it, it's validating you know, we, we talked a little bit off the air about I've I've had some family members start doing therapy, and we talked about this briefly over the, the course of the beginning of the show about um, uh, taking mental health more seriously. I don't know on a personal level within my own family, it's happened in the last few years. But um, is it is it a trendier thing to be doing now? I mean, what's kind of the difference 
uh, as you said before, uh, apologies, but you did just uh, change roles and retire and kind of have some more time as an educator within the system. Mm-hmm. What um, what have we seen in the last couple decades of kind of uh, the, the national awareness of where we are with mental health? While the awareness of mental health issues has increased, the actual use of therapy, I'll talk about more talk therapies, sure. counseling, let's talk about that first, Yeah, is pretty flat. Okay. It hasn't really increased that much. Um, you know, there may be a variety of issues for that. Most people agree that that stigma that still exists, that fear of being, you know, thinking people are going to think you're crazy or whatever still stands in the it's way. It's not going to stop them. You know, and there can be, there can be other barriers where people are may be living. One thing that's a, I think has emerged as a great trend is the emergence of uh, um, virtual type interventions yeah. where you can access a provider online. Um, FaceTime now, again, and Zooms again, of sorts. Again, we all yeah. run into barriers where there are areas with limited high-speed internet access, sure. but it's a, it's a step in the right direction because sometimes transportation and other factors can get in the way. Um, so we're making incremental progress. Now, another key piece to mental health can be medications. Mm-hmm. You know, medications can be very helpful to some people. Um, they're not necessarily the ideal treatment for everything. Sure. And we know from years of research that the combination of medication and counseling can be more effective for many conditions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if people are anxious about talking to a mental health professional, talk to your primary care physician. Talk to your pastor or spiritual advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to somebody because all of those folks um, are linked to the same solution in some ways. They all want to see people thrive. Yeah. Um, So start someplace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, get the ball rolling. Um, you know, uh, this is a conversation of mental health where you can find a variety of other resources outside of the sound and body, uh, out, outside of the sound, body, and mind podcast on our website over at WME.com. But we're talking about mental health today. Um, we've, we've spoken on definitions already, but can you separate the difference between uh, mental illness and issues of anxiety and depression? I mean, are these... Different types of things we need different types of help for. There's no neat, clear dividing line. No black and white of sorts. Well, we've got like two categories. Yeah. Mentally healthy versus not. Sure. We need to think of it more as a, you know, a a zero to ten scale, you know. Okay. Shades of gray. Yeah. Um, And uh, part of the reason I, I think it's risky to sort of try to achieve clear-cut categories is sometimes that leads people to wait too long. Sure. Why not seek help before it becomes a big problem? Uh, prevention, there's the, you know, the old saying, prevent, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. There's a lot of truth to that. Problems are harder to address once they persist and become more complex. I mean, episodes of depression, for instance, left untreated, tend to get worse over time and the episodes of worsening can get closer together. Mm-hmm. So early intervention. Again, John, I think the key thing is be less concerned about whether I am mentally healthy or mentally ill. 
either or, then what kind of life am I living? Sure. Um, am I am I able to be present with the people I care about? Am I able to live my values and do things that are important to me? Am I able to experience the full range of emotions and life experiences from the, the greatest joys to some of the lowest lows that we all deal with mm-hmm. and, and embrace it all and live it all and be resilient and bounce back from it all? If I'm not able to do that, if I can't be present for the people I care about, if my quality of life isn't what I want it to be, if I'm not being the kind of person I want to be, mm-hmm. talk to somebody about it um, because that that's not where we want to see people at in life. Absolutely. Um, I think the team at the Bowen Center has a variety of different people to help you find the person that it is you want to be. But when it comes to different forms of help and being able to talk it out via a verbal therapy type situation, are there other forms of therapy that people might not be thinking of that could be a viable option to someone that might have some insecurities about the cliche classic psychologist and going to therapy that you see presented in mass media and it might not be the realistic um, depiction well, we of it online. all. We talked about online options. Right. Um, there are various services that can provide online supports. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of people who are so minded reaching out to members of the faith community. Okay. I think that can be really, really powerful for people, and it certainly can align with their core values. Sure. And like I said, one, one indicator of mental health is how well am I living out the values that are most important to me, which for most people are things like caring, compassion, sure. love, um, curiosity, you know, those sorts of things. Um, but I uh, have a lot of appreciation for members of our faith community. I think they can be a great support. There are many physicians and nurses and nurse practitioners who have had uh, a degree of training in mental health and can at least provide some good brief recommendations and possibly referrals. Um, Reach out to those folks. Uh, Let's not neglect our schools. and the great role that school nurses and teachers and counselors and administrators can play. Mm. Um, not only for kids sometimes, but uh, sometimes they can be good supports to family members also. Yeah, break that, uh, kind of help mend those uh, boundaries between time away from mom and dad at home. And yeah, uh, my, was, my mom just retired as a teacher and she's dealt, uh, those parent-teacher conferences sometimes are just an, um, an opportunity to kind of mend the gap even as the household falls apart. One word of caution is, of course, the most important people in our lives are likely our family and our friends. Sure. But when it comes to dealing with issues of mental health and substance use, Mm. friends and family may not always be the best people to use as substitutes for more professional help. Sure. They're they're so close to the situation that it's it's really difficult to be objective when you're a, f- a friend or a family member of someone who's suffering. Um, and there are actually studies comparing 
the results of support from a friend versus a pastor versus a therapist versus a physician. And uh, unfortunately, as much as we love our friends and family, the folks who fare who are the least successful in helping us to turn around <laughs> Talking to our, mom the our whole mental time. health struggles <laughs> may be families. Now, I all, I don't want people to interpret what I'm saying no, as I hear you. don't yeah. reach out to friends No, everyone's had that opportunity also, where they told but, mom about, like, the significant other did X, Y, and Z, and they never yeah. forget, you know, sometimes it's not the best place to be talking about all your dirty laundry. Yeah, friends and family may not always be the best source of mental health therapy. Just... just uh, just be mindful of it, but I'm not suggesting we isolate ourselves from family. We want sure. those people to be part of our support You fill them in after the fact. Uh, counseling and such can be more effective when you have family members participate in it with you. Um, but again, that involves some sort of objective professional from the pastoral, medical, or mental health community. Absolutely. Uh, if you are listening to uh, A Sound Body and Mind on our website over at WME.com, you might be thinking that mental health and uh, getting some additional help might be something in your near future. Can you talk a little bit about the process of someone that has no idea what they're doing, but they know they need some additional help. What are some resources? Or uh, we, we spoke a little bit about people that are viable options, but what would be the first step in your mind? I think a great place to start um, is two one one, the two one one resource. You mentioned nine eight eight as the, the soon to be uh, number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. But until July, it's eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Sorry, thank you. we do have a, two, a couple of weeks yet. No problem. But um, 211 is a local resource that uh, the folks who answer those lines can provide all sorts of options for counseling and and support. Um, That's a great place to start. Uh, The website Look Up Indiana, which was developed by the Lutheran Foundation, excellent, uh, real great group in town. Uh, Look Up Indiana has a lot of good information. Um, Be Well Indiana is another resource from the, Depart- the Division of Mental Health and Addiction. That's a great place to start. Um, you can certainly call uh, Bowen or Park Center and some of the other providers, and they can provide guidance also. Absolutely. Uh, including resources for potentially our children as well. I know within right. uh, summertime, schedules aren't necessarily what... You know, a, a good routine can mm-hmm. help from time mm-hmm. to time. And with kids having summers off, it's, it's something to maybe take a little bit more seriously. Right. I, I don't want to forget, uh, it's always a good idea if you're looking for support, contact your uh, physician's office. Absolutely. Pediatrician for your kids, primary care doc for adults. That's a really good first step also. Yeah, uh, it's not as simple as taking a multivitamin at the end of the day, but uh, mental health is, in my opinion, something that we should be taking into consideration of checking in not only ourselves, but our our friends and family as well. Um, We all have issues in our life, whether it's being a worry or anxiety or depression or thinking about how bad it all really is at the end of the day. But uh, mental health is something I think we should be taking a little bit more into consideration. Uh, Doc, any parting words for us this afternoon? We love talking about mental health. And at the same time, it's important to keep in mind that we are we are complicated creatures mm-hmm. and everything's connected. Yeah. 
when we talk about mental health, we in some ways it's a, it's a slightly artificial concept. If, if we see it as separating our minds and our emotions from the rest of our bodies, it's all connected. So uh, if we're not taking adequate care of our mental health, it can often take toll on our physical health and vice versa. Yeah. So I like to encourage people to think not only about mental health, but think about what we would call total health. Sure. Uh, just well-being. There are some basic healthy practices that can be a real boon to mental health and physical health. Getting adequate sleep. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, about 60% of us don't. Yeah. But, and, and there's lots of reasons. If I'm a single mom who's struggling and is holding down three jobs, of course it's going to be hard to get sleep. Right. But are we voluntarily surrendering quality sleep? Yeah. So sleep's important to our emotional and physical health. Nutrition, uh, food's pretty darn expensive, and we have people living in food islands. This is, it's tough. But to the extent that we can try to include some nutritional foods in our diet, um, that, f that feeds our brain, too. Mm -hmm. um, activity. I didn't use the E word, exercise. <laughs> People don't like that word. But just getting moving a bit. Don't tell me how to live my life. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, don't get uh, to move a little bit. Sure. To take a walk, to get, get out in some bright light can be a real boon. And then the other healthy habit is uh, some some recreation can I can I find a, can I try to introduce a little bit of fun into my life yeah so uh, when we speak about those kind of healthy habits we're talking about the whole person that's good for your physical health your mental health and they are interconnected because sometimes one of the best things I can do for my mental health is take a walk yeah yeah. Thank you for taking a walk over to the studio again. Folks, this is Bowen Center psychologist and senior psychologist slash clinical educator, Dr. Richard Rorold. Thank you. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, thank you for joining us for episode two of Sound Body and Mind. I'm John Davies of 97.3 WME. Don't forget, you can always find more resources available for you on our website over at WME.com or you can text the word Bowen, that's B-O-W-E-N, text Bowen to 46862, and that's going to lead you directly to resources brought to you by the Bowen Center. Or you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. But if you're listening to this episode after July of 2022, you can also just dial 988. Thank you once again for joining us for the WMEE of Sound Body and Mind podcast. I'm John Davies, and we'll talk to you next time.